Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mullinger Meets Canadians is brought to you by the Cape Breton Partnership. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian James Mullinger and the co-founder of Edit Magazine. This is Mullinger Meets Canadians, the podcast where we meet Canadians who are making waves on the world stage. Keely Wallace is the director of Nova Scotia's Community Hall, one of the most inspiring and uplifting business success stories of the past 18 months. When COVID hit and community halls were not able to host events to promote local businesses and support local artisans, Keeley launched Community Hall, H-A-U-L, to create a safe and fun way to support this small business community. Community Hall partnered with Simplicity Designs to launch a subscription box devoted to celebrating Nova Scotia business owners and help reboot the regional economy. Supporters were asked to pledge their community support with a subscription, and in doing so, they kept the lights on for dozens of small businesses during this economically stressful time. What's more, every box sold raised money for the IWK Foundation to provide care for the women and children of the Maritimes. Community Hall offers subscribers the chance to create connections, community, and offers the chance to explore Nova Scotia, all from the safety of your home. Having done a virtual gig for their subscribers last year, I can attest that they've created an incredible community of like-minded Maritimers looking out for each other and boosting amazing local businesses. Keeley grew up in Bible Hill, Nova Scotia, studied at UMB Fredericton and worked for the IWK Foundation for five years before launching Community Hall. Under Keeley's leadership, Nova Scotia's Community Hall has been a huge success In just 12 months, they've delivered over 6,000 subscription boxes, raised over $30,000 for the IWK Foundation, and supported more than 70 local businesses. She's a true hero, I'm a big fan, and I can't wait to chat with her. So let's do it. Keely, it is so lovely to see you. Thank you so much. Lovely to see you too. It's been a really, really exciting year for you. Tell me a bit about the genesis of Community Hall and how it came to be. Back in in the early days of COVID, mm-hmm. Matt Sims with mm-hmm. Simplicity Designs and his team, they were doing a ton of webinars with businesses to help them through, help them pivot. Mm-hmm. And the more businesses they talked to, especially here in Nova Scotia, they just really realized they needed to do more and to step up. So that's where Community Hall sort of began as a way to really double down and help not only local businesses, but also the IWK Foundation, who, you know, many nonprofits like themselves were really struggling during the early days and still to this day. So that's kind of where it all began was how do we in a box every month help local businesses and and help Nova Scotians here and abroad reconnect with community and discover local businesses again. 
Incredible. I mean, it is, as you say, it's that absolute perfect blend of something which is both a very beautiful thing, but also, you know, the philanthropy aspect in that you're benefiting the IWK, benefiting local businesses, also making life very easy for people who want to buy gifts from our timers. <laughs> um, and I think that one of the things that I love so much about it is, of course, that this is a positive covid business story it's something which was born out of need but actually is going to live on forever did you realize that when you first started it that it would be something which beyond covid could grow and build no you know i um when they first started when community hall first started Mm. in fact it was meant to be one year 12 months so in all of the web language and all the advertising we're saying for 12 months, we're going to do this. And then you realize very, very quickly, oh, no, this is filling a gap. And this Mm -hmm. is really something that can live on. Because as you know, we have incredible businesses here. And, you know, they they are making one set of products one year and, and another the next. And we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of working with all the amazing businesses that are here. So really wasn't, I would say around December is when the realization was, oh, okay, no, we're going to keep marching forward for as long as the need and that gap is there. And, and this is, of course, a huge reason why we started the Maritime Edit magazine was to kind of highlight and celebrate businesses that people might not have heard about all the time. People, I mean, you must have found it very, very eye-opening. Have there been businesses that you've discovered or artisans or craftspeople that, that you hadn't heard of that suddenly you've learned about in the past 12 months? I swear every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it's the name itself, Community Hall, for example, you know, pre-COVID, a lot of the ways that you would discover businesses and products is you're going to farmers markets or craft fairs that are held at our community halls, H-A-L-L. Um, <laughs> and once COVID happened, you know, realizing that that we were together apart for a foreseeable future and that culture of discovering makers and artisans and businesses at community halls and events wasn't happening, discovering them it can be difficult. So for me, a great example I always say is mustard. Right? <laughs> so you're you're going to your local grocery store and you're just picking up the yellow bottle, right? It's right. it's maybe it's a Canadian company, maybe it's not. But what I've realized is, oh my gosh, your local alternative to mustard is being made 20 minutes away and it's better and it's got a story and that business is buying their raw product from a local farm or just kind of passing it forward. So I think every month that I build these boxes and I'm, I'm doing research or people are reaching out or, or our subscribers are recommending people, I, from a personal standpoint, have... Mm drastically changed my personal buying habits just based on who I've discovered. Incredible. I mean, it's, it is a, one of those fascinating things that so many people want to support local, but for many years found it hard to do so through, as you rightly say, simply through lack of information, lack of knowledge. I mean, I know when we first launched the magazine, people said to us, oh, you're doing a magazine about Atlantic Canadian stories. You're going to run out of content. And the crazy (laughs) thing is, I mean, we could probably put one out every week if we had the resources to do so. I mean, there there were so many stories and those stories and those businesses aren't going away. I mean, What do you think people can do more to educate themselves and really kind of actually deliver on this promise of supporting local? One of the things that we talk about a lot is 
if you can change your buying habits by 10%, Mm -hmm. right? So think of your household buying habits. And this is not to say that, you know, you you need to have an extravagant budget to go out and and buy, you know, above and beyond what's on your grocery list. But start there, start small. So again, back to the mustard example, what's a condiment you're buying all the time or, you know, soap, things that are everyday, shampoo, conditioner, and whether it's, um, you know, just Googling or going into stores that, that are stockists for a lot of Nova Scotia businesses, you know, stores like Inkwell or, or Kept here in Halifax or Between the Mountains in Berwick, they do a really great job of sort of carrying local options and and us selfishly you know come to the community hall website and mm-hmm. and you can look at our our vendors page and just start small i mean that's the best way is what's your grocery list can you pick four items off of it that you can search out you know a local alternative absolutely it's beautifully put and of course, I mean, we've talked about the fact that the plan was never for this to continue. And of course, now that it is, the sky is the limit for Community Hall. What are the <laughs> things that you're looking at for the next kind of 12 months or indeed five years? And, and what is the kind of the growth plan? Certainly, there's stuff that we're looking at at home. So here in Nova Scotia. So for example, we've realized very quickly, a lot of our subscribers have dogs, you know, that COVID trend, everyone got a puppy. (laughs) Yep, I Um, did that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that's just another way. There are a ton of incredible businesses in Nova Scotia that are making everything from you know, your dog toy to to the collar, to the leash. You know, I look at a place like Atlantic Tick who are making products for dogs that are, you know, important in our prime tick seasons here. So mm-hmm. one of those growth plans is having a dog box that you can buy. That's all Nova Scotia. Other things we're looking at, you know, it's really important for us is sustainability. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of companies in Nova Scotia that are really blazing a, a trail for how are you having like eco-friendly and sustainable products in your home. So, you know, there's some thoughts rolling around about a sustainability box, almost like a starter box. So if you don't know where to start, here's a box, here's some wool dryer balls, here's some eco-friendly cleaner tabs. All that's being made here at home. So different products is is definitely in our growth plan. And impact is, mm-hmm. we talk about this a lot, every decision we make is impact-based. You know, instead of saying, um, who's going to package our boxes at the cheapest price for the <laughs> bottom line? The, the question is, how can we make an impact through packing our boxes? And that leads us to partners like Dask Industries, which is a social enterprise here in Dartmouth. So a couple different products. We're also really trying to bring people together through virtual experiences. And and you uh, were part of one of those earlier in the spring when, mm-hmm. when we said, hey, to our subscribers, we're going to have a comedy show for you. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. did that with Neptune as well. We gave people mm-hmm. some access to shows on Neptune's platform. Nice. So more of those experiences also. Amazing. And we're also growing abroad. So we've started a franchise in Hamilton Halton. Uh, area in the spring and we have another one launching this October in Ontario as well. Over the last 18 months there's been such a tendency by media to focus on all the negative business stories and the terrible 
failings of the COVID era, but yet there have been so many success stories like yours. And it's so lovely to hear of this growth. And as I say, the fact that it's multifaceted in terms of the good that it does. How did the IWK relationship begin? And what's been the results there? And how much has been raised? The IWK Foundation relationship was a pretty natural fit, as I used to work there. Oh, yes, nice. (laughs) um, But also, when we think about community and the definition of that, women and children are often the heart of any community, especially women. And Mm -hmm. the IWK has been just such an incredible resource for women and children, not only in Nova Scotia, but the Maritimes. And during the early days of the pandemic, a lot of those traditional ways of raising much needed funds, like events or the galas, the golf tournaments, the barbecues, that went away. Mm -hmm. So there was a big need to fill. And so we definitely have a great fit and relationship with them. And Really, we call them our cause partner. You know, I I don't love the word charity or or nonprofit, but cause partner because it's an incredible cause and they are a partner. So we've been able to raise, as of June, it was 30,000 and our goal by December is 70. And I believe that we will, through the power of our subscribers, hit that and hopefully exceed it. And it's just an incredible relationship. The Maritimes is is a small place, but one of the most beautiful things is our subscribers saying, this is how the IWK has helped me. Or 10 years ago, I was at the IWK and they saved my life. Or I am purchasing this box because I know the good it's going to do for the IWK. So that has been a real connector with our subscribers. And it's just an incredible, incredible place. So, so true and and beautifully put. And I mean, for you, you've been someone who's uh, always devoted your time to philanthropy. And and again, as you say, I mean, you used to work there. And I know growing up, it was something which was very important to you. Can you tell me a bit about what it was like growing up in Bible Hill, Nova Scotia? And uh, what are your earliest memories? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, you know, I think it was just an incredible place to grow up. My dad was an entrepreneur, um, but always really involved in the community and certainly in their church. I remember I was, I think, in grade seven, and my dad decided he was going to get some miniature horses. And of course, that was lovely. But it was, for example, bringing those miniature horses to Tim Horton's camp day down the road, (laughs) where I also worked and giving kids miniature horse rides to raise money for Tim Horton's camp day. So I've always been around that sort of giving heart. Mm. It was an incredible Thing to be able to grow up with a lot of animals, for sure. Yeah. And Bible Hill, it's small, but there's a lot of great success stories coming out of there. And it um, really pushed me to kind of go in that direction of giving back and always kind of doing more. And so you obviously went to school in Bible Hill, and then you studied at UMB Fredericton. Um, I what did. Made you, uh, and, I mean, tell me a bit about your time at UMB Fredericton and what it was that made you choose to take history and political science. UMB is just an awesome place. And uh, I think my biggest driver was, I want to go somewhere where my whole entire high school isn't going. So <laughs> that ruled out St. of X pretty yeah. quickly. Um, and it was one of those really traditional campuses, like you walk onto that campus and you just feel like you're in one of those movies, right? With the traditional university quad and the really old buildings. 
I always loved history and UMB has quite a incredible history program. So I just thought, okay, well, like I'll give this a go. And the minds that they have there that are just sought after in Canada and in the States for their expertise, Donald Wright being being one of them, a really accomplished author and researcher, very passionate about um, Canada um, and confederation. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of the path I went on. Um, I actually wanted to be a lawyer and quickly realized that was not for me. So, <laughs> um, and, you know, at UMB, I took international relations and we uh, were told that Stephen Lewis was coming at the time to, uh, this was 2005, to deliver his Massey lectures, um, wow. the CBC Massey lectures, which was Race Against Time, which which kind of really, for me, was a, a pivotal moment. And and I'll always thank UMB for, for exposing me to those opportunities. And, you know, it was one of those university students who got involved in everything. So student hmm. union and living in residence and being on every committee you could imagine. And it, it was just the greatest four years. That's beautiful. Again, as you rightly say, that's what it's all about is that time at university, you need to embrace everything. And it sounds like you absolutely did that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was it specifically about the Stephen Lewis lecture that resonated with you? And and what was it that kind of touched you the most? He is, if anyone has never heard him speak, I would uh, pause this podcast really quickly and go listen to, (laughs) but come right back. Um, Yeah, come back, uh, definitely come back. (laughs) (laughs) And go to YouTube and and just, you know, search in Stephen Lewis. Um, You can can still find his Massey lectures on um, CBC's website, but he was just this incredible speaker. He had this way with words that really... You can tell, uh, you know, got it from his dad, David Lewis, of course, and he was delivering this talk. And I think everyone thought they were coming there to be motivated and leave, you know, with those kumbaya, you know, feelings. But he was angry. Um, He was he was very angry about the state of the continent of Africa and how we were failing them. And it was one of those moments where you're like how is this right? What can I do? You know, I want to learn more. Tell me more, educate me more. And he delivered that speech very passionately, but he also, he was just so angry throughout it. And the anger was very moving. So I kind of knew in that moment, okay, how do I do more. And I really, I got my hands on everything I could of, you know, what the Stephen Lewis Foundation was doing in sub-Saharan Africa and, and how they were doing it. Most importantly, you know, they weren't exploiting the folks who were needing help, the folks who were dying of AIDS. They were empowering them. They were, you know, they are the experts. They know how to turn the tide of AIDS. And and Stephen Lewis Foundation was was almost, you know, they they weren't saying we're going to Africa to solve the AIDS crisis. They were saying we are the middle, we are the funders, we are the educators of what's happening. But the folks in Africa were the experts, the organizations they work with. And it was very moving. And and from that day, I just, my sort of philanthropic heart um, really got ignited and I never looked back. It's amazing how one powerful speech 
spoken by one person can essentially change the course of your whole life. Absolutely. And I, you know, I remember the lecture hall we were in very clearly and just kind of knew I want to work for that guy one day. And, and I did. Incredible. <laughs> um, it was, you know, it was just a path and I charged forward. Amazing. So you worked at the Stephen Lewis Foundation after university. How did that come about? And what was the experience like? Well, to do that, of course, like many Maritimers, I had to leave the Maritimes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I remember my parents, I left with um, a university roommate of I and I both went up to Toronto and we were, well, how are we going to get our stuff there? So, of course, <laughs> my parents emptied out their horse trailer. Of course. Um, <laughs> picked us up in Fredericton and we drove. And, of course, you drive all the way through because why would you stop? Well, of and, course. You know, we, we moved into downtown Toronto and all of our stuff smelled like a barn for, <laughs> for many months. Um, Spot the Maritimers, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, you picture it, you're driving down Queen Street with, um, you know, a Ford F-150 and a, and a big red horse trailer. So you're, you're sticking out. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that is like, <laughs> if there was a sitcom about Maritimers going to university in Ontario, that would literally be the opening scene is you arriving with a horse trailer uh, that's beautiful I love it it was great and we when we arrived we so we of course we had gotten our apartment you know sight unseen you know Kijiji in those days and the <laughs> landlord um, was aware that we were driving from the Maritimes and we showed up and he had a six pack of uh, moose light for us oh, amazing <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was a great experience. And when I got there, I went to Humber College to do my postgrad in, in public relations. And they had an internship component. So you had to do an eight week unpaid, of course, mm -hmm. yeah. um, internship. And I sought out the Stephen Lewis Foundation. And I actually had a maritime friend that's mm -hmm. always how it works who had been working there for a couple of years and so she helped me get in and I did my internship there and I stayed for for four years so you know started in in media and communications and quickly got sucked into the wonderful world of fund development fundraising so got to to be on the ground floor and to help um, the efforts, you know, that I had heard about um, back in 2005. So it was an incredible four years and the African experts that I had the privilege of meeting again, changed my life, you know, once over and never forget that time and, and the incredible work that's done there. Um, and the incredible people that step up to, to join the fight here, here at home. So, it was an awesome four years and they're still doing like just such innovative work all these years later as well. And I imagine, I mean, the work presumably must never stop. I mean, has change happened? Is the work they're doing working and what can people listening do to help and kind of get involved? Change has happened for sure. One of the incredible things to happen in Africa, certainly in sub-Saharan Africa is Grandmothers. So uh, Stephen Lewis actually has um, a program, a group, I guess, called the Grandmothers to Grandmothers Club. Basically, Canadian grandmothers 
rallying to support the grandmothers of Africa who are raising their orphan grandchildren. And not just their orphan grandchildren. These women are holding communities up. They're advancing them. They're starting, you know, music therapy programs. And they're making sure that there's access to education and clean water and food. So change is definitely happening on the ground. Of course, the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, has hit Sub-Saharan Africa in a big way. Um, and that's certainly something that Stephen is, is still talking about um, at this moment. But I would say, you know, for people with any organization, so whether it's HIV and AIDS in Africa, whether it's, you know, access to life-saving, um, you know, medical equipment in your, your hometown hospital, or if it's women's rights or any cause that you can think of, one of the biggest things is look at what you're doing in your day-to-day. Where are you shopping? How is that company helping the causes that are dear to you? Yeah, And it's, it's an easy way to start is look at your wallet and <laughs> Where are you turning your wallet to? And, you know, challenge the companies, challenge your workplaces. What are they doing as as a business to make the world better, to create change? You know, everyone can be a change agent. You know, you can be a change agent this week. It's Smile Cookie Week here in the Maritimes. And where are you buying your coffee? Buy a cookie because <laughs> that company has given all, all the proceeds to a, a local cause. So, you can wake up and make change. It's it's not something that needs to be insurmountable or, or on a check with seven zeros after it. It's something that you can do every day. Beautifully put, beautifully put. This show is brought to you by the Cape Breton Partnership. The Cape Breton Partnership aims to transform Cape Breton Unamagi into the most creative and prosperous place on earth. Visit capebretonpartnership.com to discover why this island is a great place to live, work, study and invest. We are growing a culture that values and celebrates creativity, innovation and entrepreneurship. And, and what was it that uh, that then brought you back uh, to the Maritimes? And, and was there a kind of a point at which you, you realised that... Uh, it was something you were considering and, and was it a difficult decision to make? I still think of that time, you know, I was getting home a lot and missing the ocean, for example, was a, a really big thing for me. I remember one summer, my last summer in Toronto, I said, I, I want to go swimming. It was a really mm-hmm. hot Toronto day. And, you know, we're like, okay, let's go to Center Island. But it was such a to-do <laughs> you know, it was it was taking a streetcar. It was getting on a ferry with 50 other people just to get in the water. Right. Um, and and I was like, whoa, this is not not for me. So I, I really kind of started then um, thinking about moving home. And I think my colleagues at Stephen Lewis Foundation were really supportive of the fact that I was growing more and more homesick. Yeah. So I started talking with some mentors I had at the University of New Brunswick that I'd kept those connections very well. And I just kind of said, I want to, I want to come back. Can Mm. you find me a job? (laughs) Um, And in true maritime fashion, you know, one of my mentors at UMB said, give me two months. And I said, "Okay, (laughs) okay, so I'll wait. And UMB was going into a capital campaign at that point 
And at that point, I think it was one of the largest ones in the Maritimes, which is 115 million. Mm-hmm. And they said, we need someone to to fundraise and, you know, your love of UMB makes you a good candidate. And then I, I moved back and it was, it was hard, you know, it's, you, you make friends, you build a life and, and leaving an organization you love, but I made my way back and I kind of knew I wanted to end up back in Nova Scotia, but, you know, UMB was such a, a warm landing place for me. Yeah. And eventually, you know, I I did come to Nova Scotia and I started at the YWCA Halifax. Um, So it it was a process, but, you know, I kept in touch with all my Toronto friends. I still, you know, pre-pandemic would have reunions and enjoy my time there when I go, but definitely knew the ocean was, was calling me home. Beautiful. And as you say, it's one of those things that when you're away, it really makes you appreciate what we have here. And again, as you say, I mean, just trying to get to water or trying to get anywhere or, I mean, the the amount of things that you can pack into a day living in the Maritimes, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do in a month in London. And so it's an interesting thing that so many people, but of course, there's nothing wrong with going away. And, and if anything, it's a great thing to do for people to leave, go away, learn different skills, and then bring them back here and as you just described, there's nothing that people here love more than people either moving here or coming back. And they will do anything they can to help uh, (laughs) someone. I mean, again, I mean, the amount of times now I get messages from people saying, hey, we've just seen a video you've done or or read the magazine and we're thinking of moving to New Brunswick. And of course, I'm like, right, what can I do to help? Who can I introduce you to? How do I get you here? But if someone had written to me when I lived in London and said that, I would never have replied. It's... uh, (laughs) it's, uh, Oh, no, it's and it's, you know, okay. do you need a couch to stay on? You know, when I landed back in Fredericton, Um, in 2013, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm, you know, arriving again with all of my stuff in a horse trailer and (laughs) I need a place to stay, you know, while I find a place. And of course, two women I had went to university with had a place there and they said, you can stay on our couch. Okay, well, how much do you want in rent? And they said, "Uh, will you cook meals every once in a while? (laughs) Yeah, great. Sure. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, and it's truly just this thing that all communities here have. And it's so unique to the Maritimes. I always say it, but it's true. There is nowhere else like it in the world where there is this welcoming nature that people will do anything for you. And it's essentially, it's as if kind of four provinces have this small town feel where, you know, you could go anywhere. You could go to Hunter River PEI, Bible Hill, Nova Scotia, Gander, Newfoundland, or Norton, New Brunswick. And you will find a connection somehow to it's the one degree of separation thing that we have here. It's incredible. It is. It's so incredible. And I even see that with community hall, you know, mm. it's these people that I'm corresponding with on, on emails or, you know, social media. And it's, it's a one degree of separation. And, <laughs> and it's also, even if you don't know someone, it's that willingness to, to get to know your, your neighbor, whatever that definition means to you, someone will say, Hey, I, I can't, you know, make it to pick up my community hall box this month, but I just found out my neighbor two blocks over is also a subscriber. So she's going to pick up my box for me. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah. know? It's, it's a really small, but just in, incredible place to live. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, legitimately, those kind of things just wouldn't happen anywhere else. And it's important for us to kind of uh, recognise how lucky we are. Absolutely. Um, And so your first job back was with the YWCA Halifax. What can you tell me about the work that they do? And and what was the experience like working there? Um, You know, it was a smaller shop than I had been in before. You know, UMB is, is quite large. And so... You know, it was a an adjustment for me in that way, but they're also located in Spryfield in uh, HRM, you know, which is an area, you know, hard hit by, you know, social issues. So food insecurity is a, is a big issue in Nova Scotia, but in Spryfield, you know, it, it was a big, in some areas, it was a big issue. So YWCA Halifax, um, you know, not to be confused with YMCA, but um, young women's um, basically, and and it it definitely is not just young women, but I was so moved by the work that was being done so humbly. And, And again, sometimes I think I think we need to brag a little bit more in Nova Scotia and the Maritimes as as a whole of, of some of the great work. So, you know, one of the things that the YWCA was doing is teaching older women in the community how to do patio gardening. So how to have access to your to your own fresh produce with the space that you have. And then, you know, they would have these classes to teach these older women how to do this, but then they would also, um, okay, so you have all these tomatoes, we're gonna make some nutritious, quick, and affordable meals with these tomatoes. So that was just one of uh, the small things they're doing. Um, They also have a program called SHIM, which is Second Housing for Young Mothers. And you're a young mother in the system here in Nova Scotia, and you become pregnant and you want to keep your child. There's not a lot of options. And the YWCA has this housing unit and it's not just, you know, here's an apartment. It's classes on bonding with your baby. It's practical things like, you know, here's how to um, put a crib together. Here's access to childcare so you can finish your GED. Life skills, you know, um, bills and, and expenses management. And it's an incredible program, but, you know, it's not talked about a lot and it needs funding. Um it's, it's incredible. So it's a, it's a full support network, essentially, a kind of all-encompassing exactly. one. And, and housing was, a, was mm. and is a big mandate for YWCA, and mm. especially right now with the housing crisis in Nova Scotia, their work is coming to the forefront. It's second housing for young mothers. They also help to find housing for women coming into the correctional system as well. And again, it's that mental health support. They worked, for example, they partnered with Dress for Success here and, you know, how are we doing interview prep with women who are getting back into the workforce? And it's just a a full service, but it's the deep respect they have for the participants, for the people that they're helping. You know, it's not their, you know, integrity... And their pride is not harmed by going through this process. If anything, it's lifted up and they're celebrating these women. It's just, it is work that is so vital. Um, As I said earlier, women are the heart of our communities. So Mm -hmm. work like this is important. And it was, it was a great time when I was there. They were celebrating their 140th year. Wow, that's incredible. It's it's pretty great, Um, you know, and all the YWCAs across 
the Maritimes, you know, there's the YWCA in, in Moncton is also doing this critical work. So this stuff is happening. There's a groundswell. More people just, they just need a bit of a soapbox uh, would be my biggest thing is people need to know about this work. And as you say, it's it's a maritime trait to be humble and, and not want to kind of uh, brag for want of a better phrase. But we do need to shout more about incredible um, people doing incredible things and achievements. And that's why I love the Maritime Edit, too, is it is celebrating and informing, but it's doing it in such a beautifully maritime way. You know, like it's it is a great thing that you're doing and it's just every issue it's like oh okay even the you know the digital issues as well mm-hmm. we need more of this um, mm-hmm. so it's it's great what you guys are doing to oh, to push well, that forward as well that's really kind thank you and it's again i mean the, and you mentioned the digital issue there i mean that was um again another one of these kind of covid positive outcomes where we've talked for years about again the fact that there's so many stories to tell and so many positive uplifting business success stories that we can't possibly get them all in the print title so we thought you know maybe we could do something more regular and obviously just with my touring schedule and everything else it was just never possible and then suddenly when March 13th last year happened and suddenly (laughs) um, being in the business of packing as many people as possible into a tiny room and having them excrete a sound from their mouth uh, and and, and no doubt you know germs into the ether became a, a less popular profession to be in uh, uh, we were kind of uh, fortunate to be given the, the kind of the time to be able to tell those stories and I mean you meant we talked earlier about the genesis of Community Hall and of course uh, you mentioned Matt Symes uh, of Simplicity who is you know without question one of the greatest unsung heroes of this region and has supported so many of us in so many different ways can you tell me a bit about how you met Matt and how that kind of relationship came to be yeah, it is a typical maritime story. So <laughs> it's great. Um, so Matt also went to UMB, but we our past did not cross. Although we took the same program, both history, self-professed history nerds. Um, he was working with a toy company, just doing that improvement work that Simplicity Designs does. And I was working at the IWK Foundation. And it was the annual telethon for the IWK. It was around that time, and I had reached out to the toy company to maybe provide some in-kind product for our kids segment on telethon. And, and of course, it's Matt that I spoke with, and we met to chat through that and just kind of really had alignment on, you know, we had a lot in common, and I was able, through him, free of charge to take their five-day sort of improvement crash course and get exposed to that. And and we've just kind of been friends ever since. So Community Hall, while some people are like, you know, subscription boxes, you know, they're not new. It's a not new idea. The way that he went about thinking about Community Hall, you know, it was a pretty easy choice for me um, because to be involved because it he, he was behind it and he knows the business community here so well. So, yeah, so we, you know, met, met at his office in the basement of a toy company um, <laughs> around, a, around a telethon. So, yeah, but certainly that whole organization is, especially through COVID, really just doubled down on yeah. the mission of making Atlanta, Canada better one business at a time. 
Yeah, and again, it might as very much the the Kevin Bacon of the Maritimes. In the, in the <laughs> I mean, everyone you meet knows him, or there's a link to him. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. And, and again, I mean, he's almost like the arbiter of what's good. Like if he is bigging something up, then you know you need to know about it. Exactly. Oh, for sure. It's this is um you know Sarah's top ten must have summer items. Well, if Matt's saying this is a business you need to get behind or an event you need to go to or a book you need to read, you're going to, you're going to pay attention. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's a wonderful thing. Um, and then in the last 12 months and discovering all of these new businesses, I know you can't obviously and wouldn't want to pick favorites, but what are the, the biggest surprises for you, the, the companies that you discovered or the brands that you learned that you needed in your life and <laughs> didn't have until now? Uh, it's interesting. There is a kind of a goat farm in mm-hmm. uh, Cape Breton, Groovy Goat Soap Shop, <laughs> and they make incredible deodorant. Um, wow. And it's just one of those things where it's not, you wouldn't think um, you're going through the aisle at Shoppers or whatever, and, and they wouldn't be there. But their story came to me because they actually they had a massive barn fire this year and lost most of their animals. Oh, wow. And I had been... Um, you know, looking for more Cape Breton companies. And and this one came suggested to me by a friend and I reached out and it wasn't the right time. Um, you know, when I originally reached out, but we were able to have them in in one of our summer boxes and, and chatting with the owner, you know, I was like, how's the barn rebuilding going? And she said, you know, we're actually having a community barn raising and the community literally showed up to help them raise their new barn. So, and then they're running this insanely successful business and in the midst of COVID, losing the source of that business is really challenging. So that's been a really great discovery for me. Um, The other one is a little bit of an addiction for me is Mm -hmm. yo-yo cookies. (laughs) It was one of our favorite (laughs) products Um, and they're made here through Kitchen Door Catering and I put those in the May box. So basically it's Two butterscotch shortbread cookies filled with buttercream. Wow, that's the dream. <laughs> that is the dream. So that was a, a great one. Um, and then things as simple as, you know, aromatherapy roll-ons are all the rage. You know, everyone's got a diffuser. Everyone's got a, a roll-on. And mm-hmm. how do you de-stress at the end of the day? Or you have a headache, you roll on this stuff. And there's a lot of big companies um, that have been cornering that market for a long time. And there's a company here in Dartmouth, Sage and Sweetgrass, who are are making these roll-ons. And not only are most things sourced locally to make them, but they're doing education around aromatherapy. Um, And I'd say, too, for the cocktail lovers, (laughs) um, Jenny's Cocktails at Achuro, a little hometown pride, (laughs) she's making these incredible cocktail mixes and you know obviously it could be mocktail as well and she made a mint mojito one for community hall but all of the mint was sourced from a farm down the road wow that's so there's, there's beautiful things happening um with the businesses and when you support a local business you're not just supporting that one business you're supporting their suppliers it's just a, a ripple effect so true so true and beautifully put 
Um, and and I guess finally, kind of what's 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 next for 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 you? I mean, I know there's so many growth plans for for Community Hall, um, but what's next for you? Like like, are you looking forward to to, to traveling again? Um, uh, <laughs> how do you how are you feeling now as we're as we're getting into um, uh, a, a kind of a better world? Yeah, I think personally, I'm looking forward to singing again. I I sing with a choir every year. And of course, you know, all of our shows were canceled. Um, and certainly being that close and again, similar to your to your uh, comedy shows, you're singing mouth wide open um, yes. you know, <laughs> um, for for hours at a time, and, you know, just wasn't right. So I'm looking forward to certainly sort of the choir world opening up again. I'm even excited for karaoke to be a thing <laughs> again. Um, and I think I would love to get back on the traveling train. Um, I'm feeling hopeful that we're moving in the right direction and that, you know, our business community has made some positive shifts yeah. um, that will will be really great for them. So, you know, folks who didn't have e-commerce before, but now have e-commerce, that's a great thing. It's going to stick with them. Yeah. I'm also really hopeful for our business community, realizing through COVID the power of change that they can make um, on their communities. You know, the the businesses who stepped up, uh, Simplicity was one of them. You know, okay, let's let's make masks for people. Um, let's do social distancing signage, you know, companies who were donating PPE, um, or even just delivering coffee and food to our frontline healthcare staff. I'm hopeful that that realization from the business community will continue. And, and if it's not, you know, helping out with COVID efforts, maybe it's helping out with the housing crisis here, um, or, you know, getting involved in places like the YWC Halifax or IWK Foundation. So I'm hopeful for that change and hope to see some of our, our business leaders really step up. Beautifully put. Kaylee, thank you so, so much for your time, for your insights, and, and most importantly, for all that you do to support uh, the businesses <laughs> of this region. And uh, it's really, really amazing what you what you do. Well, thank you so much. And platforms like this are just important and I'm just honored to to be on it. And of course, just really the people that you've been interviewing, even in the last year is just, um, it's just really important work. So I'm just really honored and privileged to to be a part of this. Oh, well, thank you so much. The feeling's mutual. And uh, I no doubt we'll, we'll see you uh, again very soon. Again, like I say, please keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we will do this again soon. Awesome. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. If you like greatness, creativity, being inspired, laughing, or just love Canada as much as I do, then this is the podcast for you. So please do subscribe and review the show now. This show is brought to you by the Cape Breton Partnership. They are connecting entrepreneurs and companies to the resources they need to succeed on the amazing island of Cape Breton. Visit capebretonpartnership.com for more information on how you can improve your life and business by investing in Cape Breton Island. To learn more about Community Hall or to subscribe yourself for just $52 a month, visit www.communityhall.ca. And you can find Keely herself on LinkedIn. Further details can be found on the edit website maritimeedit.com and I will see you next time.
Podstarter. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.